This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let you know that you are our honored guest and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. If you hadn't had the opportunity yet, in the back of your pew, you'll find a visitor's card. We'd ask that you take that card out, fill it out if you get a chance, and as you're leaving this place this morning, there's a box in the foyer you can drop that card into, or you can pass it to me or one of our shepherds. We'd love to have a record of your attendance so that we can invite you back out to this church because I truly believe it. You won't find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. We're excited that you're here with us this morning. Jarek, thank you so much for your song selection this morning. We really appreciate you and the amount of effort you put in every single Sunday morning leading us in worship and devotion. We really, really appreciate that. Uh, Mary and I, we, we want to say thank you for all the cards and the prayers that we have received uh, over the past week or so. As you know, Mary lost her grandmother on March the 13th, and uh, she flew back to New Hampshire uh, and was with her family. They had a wonderful memorial service there in uh, Salem, Massachusetts, and then she flew back out. So she's at home this morning resting with our two little ones, Alayla and Isabella. So we just wanted to say thank you, though, for all the kind words and the cards and the prayers. They mean so much. I uh, also want to say thank you and good job to Aaron. Aaron's not with us this morning, but I think Aaron did a phenomenal job last week uh, preaching a sermon on getting into the game. And uh, he's doing a, a better and better job every time we let him get up here and preach. I don't think he'll be preaching for us anymore, just in, in case. I don't want to lose my job to that guy, but uh, he's, he should be watching right now. Aaron, wherever you are, thank you so much. And thank you to uh, Brother Ed Bush for leading us in singing last week as Jarek was out of town as well. Uh, Ed's going to be preaching for us uh, next month, if you didn't know. And then also on the 19th, we've got a guy from Pepperdine coming. His name is John Barton. John Barton, and he is going to be leading us in our sermon and going to be giving us a talk up about the Pepperdine Lectures this year, which is in, I believe, the first week in May. So that'll be on the 19th, and hopefully you're excited, and many of you hopefully are attending the Pepperdine Lectures. So just to get you up to speed on where we are. So uh, last month, the shepherds and I, we, we spent some time, it was really Don and I, through a series of emails and just kind of idea swapping, we spent some time thinking about and fleshing out an idea to do a couple of sermons on the use of money. So this sermon series has been entitled Money Matters, Money Matters Month. And for the next two Sundays, we've got two left, this one and the next one, I'll preach on some aspect of our use of money. And in part one, if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about financial stewardship and the importance of being a good steward of God's resources, we looked at the text found in Matthew chapter 25. We talked about the parable of the talents. And if you recall, two weeks ago, we said that a talent was actually a weight or measurement of money and how God wants us all with whatever resources we have to use that money to further his purposes in the world. And God is looking at us and our stewardship. So that was two weeks ago. And today, this morning, part two, I wanted to spend some time talking about an issue that probably all of us have. And that issue is the issue of contentment, discontentment, if you will, an issue of contentment. We are never content. 
It's hard to be a content person. So this morning, I want to talk about this idea of contentment. But before we get there, I, I, I want to mention this. You know that Jesus talked more about money than he did heaven or hell in the Bible, which is an interesting principle and concept to think about. Jesus talked more about money than heaven or hell. Why is that? Well, probably because we spend most of our waking hours thinking about money, how we're going to spend it, how we're going to make it, how we're going to invest it, uh, how we're going to use it, so forth and so on. So Jesus had a lot to say about the use of money. Therefore, I think the church, God's people here, should have a lot to say about the use of money. Jesus talked about money management, and he told us that money management is a spiritual discipline. And if you want to know how well you're doing in your faith, look at your use of money. It's really, they coincide, they go together. If you want to see how well you're doing faith-wise, look at your bank account. Look at your, your, your funds usage, and it'll give you a snapshot of how you view God, of how you live out your faith. So God is actually watching all of us this morning. He's watching how we use our wealth, and he's wondering, can I trust you with even more can I trust you with riches? Can I trust you with spiritual secrets, the things of God? And hopefully God can say yes because of our good stewardship and how we view the use of money. So this morning, let's talk about contentment. If you have your New Testaments or your Bibles, excuse me, let's look at an Old Testament book. And I want to look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and I want to talk about the importance of of being content. So the first passage we're going to look at is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Now we know that the book of Ecclesiastes was written uh, by this guy by the name of, of Solomon, and part of Proverbs as well. And Solomon was a very interesting character. We know that Solomon was the son of King David. His mother was Bathsheba, uh, and through a series of events, he came to being. If you remember the story of David and Bathsheba there. So Solomon was now king. And God came up to Solomon and said, Solomon, you can have whatever you want in life. What is it that you want? And you remember what Solomon said. He said, give me, give me wisdom. Give me an understanding heart. And because of that, God made him the wisest person in the world. And God also made him the richest man in the world. So as we read through the writings of Solomon, we need to realize that this guy was the wisest and richest man that ever walked the face of the earth. He had everything that you can imagine. He had the finest chariots, the finest and biggest mansion. He had the, the, the biggest 401 uh, K account. He had uh, the, the, the finest HD television. I mean, just think, if you fill in the blank, he had it all. Everything that we strive for and wish for, he had it. And this is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. This is the Good News translation. I like this translation because of the way it puts it. Just follow with me. We do all our work just to get something to eat, but we never have enough. How are the wise better off than fools? What good does it do the poor to know how to face life? It 
is useless. It's like chasing the wind. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. I want to read that last verse again. It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Always wanting something else. I think we live in a culture and in a day and age where all of us struggle with this. We want more. We want bigger. We want better. We are Americans. That's what we do. Bigger, better, faster, latest, everything. And what Solomon says here is that's not the answer. The things that we should be concerned with in life is learning how to be satisfied with whatever we have or the condition or circumstance that we find ourselves in. So this past weekend, Mary and I went on our anniversary, and I wanted to, you know, really uh, put something nice together for my wife and take her out to the finest dining restaurant there was in the region where we were doing our anniversary, right? So I took her to this really expensive restaurant, and we went there. It was the steakhouse, and I said, Mary, you can order whatever you want, no matter what the cost. You just enjoy yourself. So they passed the menu to us, and as we were looking, Mary decided to order a filet mignon. I said, that's great. You go ahead and do that. And then Mary said, Jason, why don't you order whatever you want? I said, okay. So I looked on the menu, and there was a Kobe beef steak. Kobe beef steak. And I said to the waiter, how much is this steak? He said, $45. I said, that's not bad. For Kobe beef steak, $45. So we got our meal, we sat down and we ate our steaks, and guess what? I wasn't that impressed with Kobe. Not Bryant, the, the, the steak, amen. So wasn't really too impressed with it. It wasn't that tasty. As a matter of fact, I've had something better at Subway, the steak and cheese melt. That's really good, by the way. Then that Kobe steak, right? So, so the meal was over. We enjoyed ourselves, and I got the bill. The bill was $523.41. I said, what gives? And I looked at my steak. My steak was $225. And I said, you told me the steak was $45. He said, no, it was $45 an ounce for Kobe beef steak. Yes. Yes. We will be taking up a special collection after this. No, I'm just... (laughs) All I'm trying to say, church, is that was supposed to be the finest, the best. It wasn't that great, and I was still a little hungry after I left the restaurant. I could have went to Subway. Eat fresh. Anyway, (laughs) all I'm saying this morning, church, is Solomon says we have to learn to be satisfied with what we have. But in our culture, we like to do bigger, better, and greater but be satisfied with what you have. That's how you learn to be content. Just be happy in the situation you find yourselves in. Second passage is found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. It says this about contentment. But with godliness, godliness with contentment is, is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
And here's what I want you to underline this morning is verse number nine. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. You need to highlight that, underline that verse in your Bible. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. People who want to get rich fall into many traps and temptations and they damage and ruin their life. People who want to get rich have a hard life in front of them. They're always trying to get more, and because of their striving to get more, they wear themselves out. You've heard the song before, the statement, more money equals what? More problems, right? More money equals more problems. And many of you this morning could be saying amen to that. I remember when I was broke, life was good. But now that I have more, I'm more stressed out. It's harder. It's more difficult. I lose sleep. Why is that? More money equals more problems. Why? Because it takes more to maintain the expensive stuff that you have now, right? right? When you get that nice, fancy clothing, now all of a sudden you can't put it in the washing machine on tumble dry, can you? You've got to take it to the cleaners, and you've got to pay for the cleaners to clean it the right way, and that costs even more money, right? What about that fancy car that you have? It doesn't take regular gas, 87. You've got to put 91, right? And it doubles the gas price. Uh, what about that high-tech refrigerator, stainless steel one that you have in your house? It doesn't take the regular water filter. No, it takes the specially made one that costs triple the price, right? It costs more money to maintain that higher lifestyle. And I tell you what, I, I, I never thought that I would be saying this ever, ever in my life, just because of the way I grew up. I feel sorry for people with a lot of money. I know, it's weird. I, can't believe, I know, I can't believe I'm saying that. But I really do feel sorry for people with a lot of money because it's difficult. I, I tell you what, you guys remember the story of the rich young ruler in Scripture, don't you? He came up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, what good thing, good, good, good master, good teacher, what thing should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, you got to follow the old law. Love God, love, love your neighbor as yourself, be obedient, do this. And he gave him a couple of principles. And the rich young ruler said to Jesus, I've kept all of those things ever since I was a young man. So Jesus, what is it that I need to do? And Jesus said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you remember what the text says then. The man went away very sad, sorrowful, because he had a lot of possessions. When you have a lot of possessions, life can be tough at times, and I still can't believe I'm saying that. But I can say that because of the way I grew up. I didn't grow up with a lot of money. My, I come from a family of six, okay? When it was time to eat breakfast in the morning, we had to fight for who got the last box of cereal, amen. That's how, we, that's how we grew up. So we didn't grow up with a lot of money. And I remember viewing people with a lot of money, I'd say their life is so much better than our lives, right? So much better. When Mary and I moved down here from Sacramento, we lived in San Pedro, which is right outside of Long Beach. The benefit of living in that area is we lived on a military installation. 
and that military installation is surrounded by a fence with military police, but it is in the middle of the hood, okay? I'm going to say hood loosely. Maybe some of you guys know what that means. The hood in San Pedro and Long Beach. At any given moment, you can hear gunshots. You see crazy, and I'm going to use this word loosely, crazy people on the streets yelling, acting great. And I remember I would look at these people and I would say, man, these people, they, they got problems. But there in South Orange County, everything is better. There's not any crazy people in South Orange County. <laughs> oh, wow, you know. <laughs> but everything's good in South Orange County because these people in the city, they have problems. They're poor, they're hungry, they're, star- they're, they're struggling. And then we move to Orange County where the grass is greener on the other side. And I tell you what, I've met some people that are more depressed than the people that I met on the streets in San Pedro because of the amount of stuff that they have and have to worry about. It's hard to be rich. It's a tough lifestyle. Some of you are saying, yeah, right. (laughs) But it's so true, the more you have, the more you have to worry about. And Jesus said it's hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom of God. Next passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. The importance of being content. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Highlight that passage there. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. What I love, and I think what that text is meaning, meaning to say is, is the more money you have, the more people are there to help you spend your money. Does that make sense? <laughs> the more you have, there's people there that help you spend it even more, right? And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? The sleep of the laborer is sweet. Whether he eats a little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. Whoever loves his wealth will never have enough. Stuff is only good to look at for a while, and then you get tired of it. Amen? And you just think about kids, right? Whenever you, you buy kids presents for their birthday or for Christmas or stuff. For example, Izzy, she really wanted a DS. You parents with young kids, you know what DSs are. They're like little uh, gaming machines, right? Izzy would say to me every day, Dad, I want a DS, I want a DS, I want a DS. So her birthday came around, and we got her a Nintendo DS, a gaming system. She played with that system for about three days and then didn't play with it anymore. As a matter of fact, I saw her playing with the cardboard box longer than playing with the DS that cost $120 for me to buy that for, right? I, It's mind-boggling to me, but it communicates the message that, yeah, money can buy temporary happiness, but then it wears off. It's only good for a season. And then you're back to wanting more. When you get that new shirt, you put it on, you're like this, yes, I make this shirt look good, right? And then after a while, you're sick of the shirt, and you need another one, want another one. That's just the, that's how it works. But what I love about this passage, it says this, when you work hard, When you work hard and you're content with the situation you find yourself in, you can sleep very well at night. Amen. 
When you work hard for an honest day's wage and you're content and you feel happy that God blessed you with what you have, when your head hits that pillow, you can sleep and you just enjoy your sleep. But when you have a lot or you're always worried about money, you're tossing and turning in the middle of the night, can't figure out why, can't figure out how to get through. But the work of the laborer, the sleep of the laborer is, is enjoyable. I heard someone say as income increases, so does insomnia. You could take that and put that in your tool belt. Amen? As income increases, so, so does insomnia. So what are we to do? As we conclude this morning, I, I want to give you some principles now on how to be content. We understand that it's important to be content. Now I want to show you how to be content, okay? So the first passage uh, I want to look at with this heading or with this idea in mind is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And if you've been to our Bible class on Wednesday night, you already know where I'm going with this text. It's a powerful one. Uh, we've studied it, and it just makes total sense. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul says this, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. And naturally, what you should say in your head is, well, Paul, What's the secret of being content? Well, Paul says it in a couple of passages prior to this, and I want to read it. It's verses 4 through 8 of the same chapter, chapter 4. This is the secret of being content. This is how you learn how to be content, church, all right? So keep this with you. Share it with your friends, family, so forth. Here's how you become content. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And what this passage is telling me is that contentment is a state of mind. And how we get to that state of mind is we always thank God for everything that we have, and we stay positive, and we rejoice. So when we get up in the morning, we say, Lord, thank you for the food that I have in the refrigerator, for the shelter that I have over my head, for the transportation that I have that gets me to and from, from a physical standpoint, my body as well, and you've given me the ability to go to work. Thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you've given me. Thank you for providing for today. And when we think in those terms, it helps us to realize that God has blessed us and that gives us a sense of contentment. So that's how we learn to do that. We've got to rejoice and say thank you continually. Have you ever given your kids something before and they don't say thank you? Does it make you want to give them something else? That's all I'm saying, church. <laughs> when God gives you something, you say thank you, Lord. And I think that makes the Lord happy when we do that. 
But on the flip side, we know he can't stand complaining, right? You saw the children of Israel, didn't you? God wasn't too happy with them, right? So we've got to learn to be content by changing our mindset and being thankful. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. I'm almost done here. Here's another thing that we need to do in order to stay content. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with someone who commends themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. I really like this passage. And what it tells me is, stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. Don't worry about what everybody else has. I have to tell my kids that all the time. Don't worry about what they have. Stop worrying about... What, what they've got going on. Focus on what you have. Worry about what you have and be thankful for what you have instead of comparing yourself to everybody else, right? Sometimes we do that collectively as a church. We look at our church and we say, look at that church down the street. Man, they have this, they have that. We need to have this. Or that. No, be thankful for what we have here. Let's focus on what we're doing here and not compare ourselves to everybody else because that gets us into trouble. And then lastly, I want to leave you with this passage. And this is one that I hope you'll keep with you. And if you hadn't heard anything I said this morning, this is the one passage that I really want you to pay attention to. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. How do you become content? Well, you do this. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. We hear this echo, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me, Lord, what I need for today. Otherwise, in verse 9, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord. You see why this is scary to people with a lot? Because we start thinking when we have a lot that it's by ourselves that we have gained this stuff and God is out on the fringes now. But on the flip side, or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. So how do you learn to be content? By praying, Lord, just give me what I need. But we really like the prayer of Jabez, don't we? Lord, expand the borders of my habitation. Bless me in big ways, right? That's the prayer that we really like. We don't like this prayer that says, Lord, just give me what I need. Don't give me a lot. Don't give me too little. Just give me what I need to get me through the day. And if we pray that prayer, church, I believe that we'll be content people. And when we're content, the Bible says godliness with contentment is a means of much gain. So maybe this morning, church, there's someone here that hasn't been living a life of contentment. Maybe you've been upset. Maybe you've been complaining a lot because of how things aren't happening or going in your life. God says to you this morning, be content where you are right now. And if you do that, I'll bless you in big ways. So if there's someone here that's been struggling with that, this sermon is for you. This invitation is for you. We invite you to come forward. The church will pray with you and we'll pray for you. Maybe there's someone here this morning that is not a Christian. I'm telling you this morning that the best decision you can ever make in your life is to become a Christian and to follow Jesus Christ. 
And if you hadn't taken that step yet, I really would encourage you to take that step this morning. I don't think it's by chance that you're here. I think God wants you here this morning to hear this, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you need to give your life to him today. We have a song of invitation selected. If there is anyone here with a need, we invite you to come together while we stand and sing.